No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that when Joab, David's general, is informed that the general of Israel's army has made a covenant with David, he plots a dastardly deed. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 2 Samuel chapter 3 on Simply the Bible. After waiting for about 20 years since Samuel first anointed him, It seemed that at last David would become king of Israel as God had promised. Abner, the military leader of Israel, had made a covenant with David to gather all of Israel to him. He had even brought Michael, David's first wife. Everything David had so patiently waited for was finally happening. His ship was finally coming in. But suddenly it seemed to be heading for the rocks. We pick it up in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 22. At that moment, the servants of David and Joab came from a raid and brought much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the troops that were with him had come, they told Joab, saying, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king, and he sent him away, and he has gone in peace. Then Joab came to the king and said, What have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why is it that you sent him away? And he has already gone. Surely you realize that Abner, the son of Ner, came to deceive you, to know you're going out and you're coming in, and to know all that you are doing. When Abner came to make the covenant with David, Joab and David's men had been on a raid. When they returned to Hebron, they brought back much spoil. Evidently, this was one of the ways they provided for the assembly living in Hebron. When Joab arrived, he was informed about Abner's visit, and he was incensed. Joab had a score to settle with Abner for taking the life of his little brother Asahel. Joab went immediately to David and said, What have you done? Don't you know he came to spy on you? Why did you let him go away in peace? Now, if David did say something to Joab, we have no record of it. Verse 26. And when Joab had gone from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner, who brought him back from the wall of Syrah. But David did not know it. Now, when Abner had returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him privately and there stabbed him in the stomach so that he died for the blood of Asahel, his brother. Joab sent messengers after Abner, probably in the king's name, for it is doubtful that Abner would have returned to meet with Joab alone, knowing that earlier Joab had tried to kill him because of Asahel's death. When Abner returned to Hebron, Joab was waiting for him at the city gate. He took him aside as if to have a private conference, but then Joab stabbed Abner in the stomach so that he died. It was a terrible, dastardly deed. Now, we should point out that Abner unintentionally killed Asahel. 
You'll recall that Israel and Judah were battling against each other and Joab's younger brother wouldn't break off his pursuit of General Abner. Even after Abner warned him a couple of times to turn aside. Finally, Abner poked him with the blunt end of his spear, but it went through him, killing him. Now, there were no police departments in those days, so if someone killed one of your family members, it was the responsibility of the oldest male to avenge the death. Joab had this responsibility. But God also provided in the law for unintentional killing or manslaughter, as we would say today. The person who unintentionally killed another could flee to the nearest city of refuge. These were Levitical priestly cities, and there were six of them, three on each side of the Jordan River. The person would be tried there, and if it was determined that the death was unintentional, then he would be protected from the avenger of death so long as he remained in the city. If he ventured outside the city gates, then he was no longer protected. So Abner was guilty of unintentionally killing Asahel, but it was during war. And Hebron just so happened to be a city of refuge. Under the law, Abner would have been protected if he entered the city. Therefore, it was strategic that Joab met Abner at the gate before he could enter the city. We wonder if there was anything in Abner warning him that this was not a good idea to go aside privately with Joab, knowing that Joab and his brother Abishai had tried to kill him earlier for the death of their brother. Proverbs 22.3 says, The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. If we are listening, often God will warn us of impending danger. The problem is, so often we're not listening. Abner was very close to entering the place of refuge, but he thought he could handle Joab on his own. That error cost him his life. Our city of refuge is Jesus Christ. We can flee to him and find eternal protection. We are all guilty. We have trespassed deliberately and we have sinned unintentionally. But in both cases, the just penalty is death. How close so many are to the place of refuge in Jesus Christ, but they never enter through the gate of faith and instead take their chances. The enemy of our souls stands nearby, ready to deceive and destroy those who are outside the gate. Verse 28. Afterward, when David heard it, he said, My kingdom and I are guiltless before the Lord forever of the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. Let it rest on the head of Joab and on all his father's house. And let there never fail to be in the house of Joab, one who has a discharge or is a leper, who leans on a staff or falls by the sword or who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner because he had killed their brother Asahel at Gibeon in the battle. David was very, very angry with Joab because he had killed an innocent man and a friend with whom David had made a covenant. It was also a horrendous political move. David had been doing everything in his power to win the hearts of the people of Israel, and now Joab's action threatened to destroy it all. Joab was a loose cannon who had 
acted independently and in contempt of David's decision to make a covenant with Abner. Therefore, in his wrath, David pronounced a severe and scathing curse against Joab and his family, including Abishai, who evidently was an accomplice. It is believed that David fired Joab as his general at this point, but then later reappointed him to the job after Joab climbed up the water tunnel of Jerusalem and took the city away from the Jebusites. At this point, David wanted to make it clear to everybody that he had nothing to do with this treacherous murder. Then David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, tear your clothes, gird yourselves with sackcloth and mourn for Abner. And King David followed the coffin. So they buried Abner in Hebron and the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner and all the people wept. And the king sang a lament over Abner and said, should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound, nor your feet put into fetters. As a man falls before wicked men, so you fell. Then all the people wept over him again. And when all the people came to persuade David to eat food while it was still day, David took an oath saying, God do so to me and more also if I taste bread or anything else till the sun goes down. In David's lament for Abner, he's saying, should Abner die as a fool dies? As a man falls before wicked men, so you fell. In fact, Abner did fall before a wicked man. He didn't die valiantly in battle, but as one who made a foolish decision and is murdered because of it. David knew that there was a time to mourn and weep. If he mourned and fasted over the death of Saul, who had caused him so much grief, then how much more would he mourn and fast for Abner, who had treated him well and was doing everything in his power to gather all Israel to him as their king? Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the Apostle Paul wrote, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Mourning over the loss of those close to us is an expression of our love. In the case of those who have died in Christ, we are thankful that they are with the Lord and better by far. Yet we still mourn their absence from us this side of eternity. I think sometimes we in the church have failed to grasp the importance of mourning. We are often too quick to give pat answers rather than mourning with those who mourn and weeping with those who weep. Christ's promise of comfort is to those who mourn. Verse 36. Now all the people took note of it, and it pleased them, since whatever the king did pleased all the people. For all the people... And all Israel understood that day that it had not been the king's intent to kill Abner, the son of Ner. Then the king said to his servants, Do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? I am weak today, though anointed king. And these men, the sons of Zeruiah, are too harsh for me. The Lord shall repay the evildoer according to his wickedness. The people were pleased with David's actions. They could see that he had nothing to do with this treachery. David was growing in his grace and ability 
to shepherd the people of Israel. God had taken him from the sheepfolds and was giving him the kingdom. It had taken a long, long time, but it was right on God's schedule. David acknowledged his own weakness regarding Joab and Abishai. They were his nephews, but he didn't know how to control them. In one sense, he needed them, but in another sense, they infuriated him. And though he was king, he felt weak before them. Where do you turn when you feel weak? There is only one place where we can flee for refuge, and that is into the arms of Jesus, our Lord. And when we encounter difficult people who are too harsh, too strong, or too manipulative for us, then we can give them over to the Lord. He is the just judge. He will repay the evildoer. Vengeance belongs to him, and he knows just what every person needs. He will take care of those who trust in him. So don't get frustrated. Don't get exasperated. Don't get even. Don't fret, David wrote in Psalm 37. It only causes harm. And David knew what he was talking about. The journey to receiving all that God has for us is a long and winding road. It's full of switchbacks, pitfalls, and dangers around the corner. As we approach the crest of a hill, we may think that it is downhill from there only to find an even steeper slope. Yet, if we will commit our way to the Lord, if we will humble ourselves beneath His mighty hand and submit to the circumstances and people He permits in our lives, then He truly will work all things together for our good, and we will arrive at our destination right on time. You see, in this walk of life, it isn't really so much about when we get there, but how we get there. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where two of Ishbosheth's commanders murder him and bring his head to David to help him become king of Israel. But the reward they receive is not what they expect. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 2 Samuel on Simply the Bible.